Welcome to FaithBridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon features Bible teacher Steve Carter, and it was recorded on Sunday, January 2nd. Thanks for tuning in. We'd love the chance to connect with you, so drop us a line at podcast at faithbridge.org. And if you're in the area, join us this Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi. And you can always join us for FaithBridge online at faithbridge.org slash live. Here's Steve. Good morning, FaithBridge. How's everyone doing? Oh, it is good to be back. I, I guess I've got to tell you a couple things. I, I'm like coming out of the hotel, door opens, and um, it's the first time I didn't step outside and just start sweating. <laughs> I was freezing. And I, I, I was like, oh my goodness, went back, got my jacket, came back down, and I was like, this is crazy. And it reminded me, when I lived in Southern California, I, uh, you know, people would show up late to church. Um, we blame it on the traffic. If it was a little rainy, um, we didn't come. You know what I mean? It was, a really, it was really like, they were really like, the excuses of not showing up were really, really easy. I moved to Chicago, and I remember the pastor just gets up front. First time I'm there. Gets up front and goes, hey, remember our rule. You don't have to come to church if it's negative 20 or there's 20 plus inches of snow. That's the rule. And I was like, Oh, I am not in Southern California anymore, Um, but I'm so grateful that you are here. It means the world that you are kicking off, whether online or in this room. We're so grateful. Hey, if you need a Bible, we're going to be in one passage. I want you to see this. Raise your hand. We would love for our ushers to give you one of these Bibles. And then, like I did last time, I need some help. I need some help. So I need two people. um, and, and, And the first one is, if any of you has a cross necklace cross necklace in the room? Anyone? Oh, right there. Can you come up real quick? Thank you so much. Can I borrow it? I promise I'll give it back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then I need someone who has good penmanship. Good penmanship who doesn't mind sitting on stage. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, that is awesome. That's beautiful. Thank you. It's going to be a great gift for my wife. Okay. Um, <laughs> good pen. No, no good penmanship in Houston, huh? Did you raise your hand? You did. Awesome. Great. No, you didn't. <laughs> oh, you did? Oh, I missed it? Okay. I was like, you, you sort of kind of went like this, and I'm like, I'll take it. Awesome. Okay, great. Perfect. You're just going to sit right here. What's your name? Christina. Awesome. I'm Steve. Nice to meet you. Welcome to Faith Bridge. This is an amazing family of great people. So, okay, if you have a Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, it is the eighth book in the Bible. It's after 1 Corinthians before Galatians. It's in the New Testament. But before we do that, I, 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 how many of you just absolutely love New Year's resolutions? Any of you got any good New Year's resolutions? Not really. Or some of you are just feeling like I'm going to make fun of you. I'm not going to make fun of you, but I, I do, I do want to bring this up because I'm a huge resolutions guy. I love New Year's resolutions. I, I, I spend like the week between Christmas and New Year's dreaming and like praying and trying to get really, really honest about this. And, and, and something shifted though, because in 2020, I, I don't know if you've seen this list, the, this was the top New Year's resolutions going into 2020. Just see this up on screen. We're going to exercise more. That's what 50% of the people said. That's cool. Save money. That's smart. Eat more healthily. That's a great word. Healthily. Uh, Lose weight. Yeah, that's me. Reduce stress. Get more sleep. We're going to reduce some stress. Get more sleep. We're going to stick to a budget. 
I'm going to focus on my spiritual growth. That's good. That's good. I'm going to travel more. 2020, yeah. And we're going to learn a new skill. Now, keep that list up there. And, and I just want you to think about this. Because three months after, our whole world shut down. And, and I think about this. I couldn't exercise more because my gym closed. It was hard to save money because I just kept going to one-click buy on, and just funding Jeff Bezos' transformation of his body. And then I eat more healthily. I was like, no. And like, I went through, I gained the 19 pounds that's in the phrase COVID-19. And then, like, reduce stress. Facebook, no, not at all. Get more sleep, maybe. Stick to a budget, not really. Focus on my spiritual growth. I tried, but I struggled. I traveled more. No, and learned a new skill. I learned to talk to a camera. Okay, so like I, I, I did some of them, okay? Here's the question. Here's the question I want you to think about is this. Next slide. Did any of these New Year's resolutions prepare us, our heart, our mind, our soul for all that the last two years, 2020, 2021 would bring? You know what I mean? So when we think about resolutions, I'm thinking about what is it in my life that's literally going to actually create the formation, the spiritual formation, so that Christ can be alive. And what's amazing is the ancient poets, you can go through the book of Isaiah, you can look through the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, you can get to Revelation, you get to 2 Corinthians, Paul, they have this phrase, and they, they kept talking about a new thing, God is up to a new thing, and something new is happening. And so a phrase for me going into 2022 is just all things new. And that, that's, that's, that's what I'm hoping. And I'm hoping that you won't ever look down on resolutions. Like it really, it, it, it's about formation habits. It's about actually creating the habits that are gonna help you become more like Christ. And every day is a chance to do that. So my hope is that today that Christina is gonna teach you about how, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> my, my prayer is that today that you are gonna learn kind of four practices straight from God's word about how you can see, live, become what all things new truly embodies. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter five. We'll begin in verse 14. And I love this. Right from the jump, this is what Paul's writing. And he's talking about this kind of, to this church. And Corinth was an absolute mess. It, it, was, a, it was a very wealthy town, very artistic town. But man, it was an absolute mess. Verse 14, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians says this. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he, mean, meaning Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I love this passage right here in verse 14, for Christ's love compels us, which focuses and forces us to ask this question, what really compels you? What compels you going into 2022? For some of us, it's shame. For some of us, it's the shoulds of life. I should do this. I should do this. For some of us, it's fear or worry. Just living in an echo chamber of fear and worry. What compels you? And when you think about all things new, Christ doing a new thing in you, what he wants to do new in you is give you a new motivation. 
that it's his love that compels you. Not the world's shame, not the world's anxiety, not your parents' fear, not your neighbor's drama. It is literally Christ's love compelling you. It's like Christ, what he did in the world, he's doing within you. It's his love for you, his love for those around you, his love. And this is what I think, man, if our world could get back to being compelled, not by achievement, performance, power, fear, worry, anxiety, but being truly compelled by Christ's love, it's an absolute game changer. Continue on. Look what it says, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. I love this. Because what it's saying is, the old is gone, the new is here. It doesn't say that the new creation is finished. It just says that new creations come. That we're all a piece of work. We are all in process. My wife is an artist. And sometimes I'd love to introduce you to her and let you see some of her work. But when I come home and I see her painting, and I, I, I know, I know that even though it's not finished, I know it's going to be good because I've seen her other work. I've seen the talent. I've seen the way that she's gifted. And the God of all creation is saying, new creation has come. We are people that are built on Resurrection Sunday. Easter people living in a Good Friday world. And in this reality is that new creation has come, that something is beginning to happen within us. We are people who are being compelled by love, but we're not being people who see with a worldly point of view. So here, here's what I want to do. Christina, if you don't mind, here's a marker. And here's a whole bunch of labels. Now, here's what I need you to do. I want you all to label me, okay? So you can say whatever you want to. You're like, man, he looks like a poor man's Joel Osteen. You can say whatever you want to say about me, okay? And you can, like, literally, she's just going to write it down, okay? This, this is your chance to see. Last time I came, I had four of you do idols and pagans. But, like, this time I want you to be judgmental, okay? You're not going to hurt me, trust me. Like, the house I grew up in, I learned a lot, all right? So, and then there's this thing called Twitter that teaches you to have a thick skin. So just, and think about the labels that we use, all right? You can shout it out. That's a kind label. Okay, um, that, okay, negative labels of me or negative labels of what people might say. Oh, she's got a hand up. The basketball guy. Okay, yeah, so sports guy. Yeah, that's great. Sports guy, that's perfect right there. Passion play? Fashion? Man in black. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only has one outfit. Okay, yeah. So, like, yeah, that's great. Take an offering. Okay. Um, all right. Another hand that I see over here. Go to the cheap seats in the balcony. Oh, right there, right there. Hipster. Okay. Wow. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. All right. Michigan fan. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. We got crushed by Georgia. Can't stand the SEC, man. Right there. Oh, yeah, you got one. I, that, your hand went up with such an authority. 
And as my voice cracks, okay, um, what do you got? Overuses the word literally. Oh, is, is your name Sarah? That's my wife's name. She says that to me all the time. It used to be essentially that I always would say. My wife would say, why do you go from essentially to literally? And I'm like, because it, I don't know. Okay, that's good. That's good. All right. This is great. Can I have some of those? Perfect. Awesome. All right, great. What else? What, think, about, think, think less about me. Think about other, other kind of ways that we see people. What? West Coast God. Oh, okay. Man, wow. I'm not sure what that means, but it seems weak and soft. West Coast God. West Coast guy. Oh, I thought, oh, I, I was, oh, man, that's so much better. Okay, I thought you were like, West Coast God, like, just easy, doesn't really have any faith. Okay, that's good. That's, that's my own trauma right there coming out. Okay, great, this is good. All right, literally, thank you. It's good, bro. I love that. I love that. My wife is going to Venmo you money. Um, it's like I've been trying for so long to get that word out of him. Okay, um, what other ones? Think, 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 think about like when you go on Facebook, what are the labels that you see? Think about like even when you saw Maria's story, what are, what are the labels you saw that you heard that someone could use against her? We wouldn't at Faithbridge, but just think, think about that. Don't use her name, but like think about what are those labels that you see? Hypocrite, yeah, it's a good one. Broken, yep, that's a good one. These are all good. If you think about this, this is what we all carry everywhere we go. It's like they don't even stick. That's what? It's like gospel right there. Okay. It's okay. Don't worry. They, they can't read it. Um, I'm going to put it right there just so people can see. Um, okay, but here, here's, here's the whole idea. I could go on all day with this. But when you think about what this passage is saying is no longer we see people from a worldly point of view. Really what Paul's saying is if you're compelled by love, you have this new motivation, but you too, you have a new perspective. And, and if I think about this cross, this is, this is about how we see people. Do we see as God sees? I, I'll just be honest. I, I can walk in and, and I can see someone wearing a Baylor sweatshirt, and right away I go, gosh, they're feeling good right now, 21 to seven. And I can think about Baylor, and I can think about Waco, and I can think about Chip and Joe, and I can think about all, I can go through a whole thing on Waco, just in the, just quickly. And I haven't even given it much thought, but in my brain, all of these things start flooding in. I go to Texas, I start talking about Steve Sarkeesian. I can go through a whole list on the University of Texas. I can think about Austin. I can go to Houston. And all of a sudden, what ends up happening is it becomes so easy to see, even though we sing songs about God, but to see people not as God sees them, but as the world sees them. This is, this is what All Things New is about, is literally this. Do I see as God sees? And here's my question. What's bigger? The cross or the labels? I mean, honestly, Republican, Democrat, masks, no masks, vaccinations, no vaccinations, boosters, no boosters, sports, no sports, essentially or literally. I mean, we can go on for days, <laughs> right? And, and the, the thing is, is if I see Christina and I don't know her at all, but, but what do I see? 
Do I see a sister? Do I see the cross? Or do I see her past? Do I see what someone said about her? Do I see what I think about her? Do I see out of judgment, out of fear, out of worry? Or do I see the cross and all things new is having a new motivation, being compelled by love, and a new perspective to say, we as faith bridgers, we are gonna see as God sees, not as the world sees. And we are gonna see bigger crosses, not just deficits and losses. We're not gonna see what other people see. Does this make sense? The question is, how big is your cross? Great job, Christina. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I promise you, I'll give you this back. I promise you. But it's gonna be on layaway with my wife. All right, let's continue on. New motivation, new perspective. Let's continue on. Don't say literally. Don't say literally. Verse 18 says this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Friends, this is so beautiful to me. Somehow I feel like the word reconciliation has been co-opted. But this is, this is the message that every one of you who actually believes in that cross and believes in Easter and believes in what Christ has done is actually, it's our, it's our message. And when love compels you, you have this new motivation and you see as God sees, then you are looking for the redemptive potential. Because you understand that you have a new message. And everything is reconcilable in the kingdom of God. Everything. And I think too often we are living in a world where, eh, that's irreconcilable. That's irreconcilable. Now again, please hear me say, if there's situations of abuse, you have to step away. I get it. I get it. But when we think about reconciliation... Reconciliation means we believe that all things can be redeemable. Everything can be restored. And I'll promise you, billions of dollars every year, let's just be really honest, billions of dollars every week are pumped into the system to make you believe everything is irreconcilable. You and your neighbor, irreconcilable. People of different races, irreconcilable. People of different political parties, irreconcilable. And again, when you have a perspective to see as the world sees, you will not see God's heart. And what's God's heart? Reconciliation. That all of people being reconciled back to the Father, back to a place of grace and peace and Christ at the center. And I promise you, friends, you know that you struggle with a new perspective and you see as the world sees, when it's easier for you to see what divides you from another rather than what unites you in Christ. And when you're someone who has a big understanding of the cross and the resurrection, what you see is you're like, oh my goodness, that's redeemable. That's reconcilable. That is restorable. 
That is something that can be brought back to God. And friends, I promise you, there are times when I meet people who I know have no relationship with God. And it can be really easy for me to label them. Ah, they don't, they don't get God. They don't, want, they don't want anything. But you know what I start to do? I start to see, man, what, what, what might it look like if this cross became front and center in their life? What, what might their life, I start to try and have a vision for their life as if Christ were at the center. I start to try and begin to pray to go, goodness me, if this grace and this peace that I receive, they could have, what might God want to do? What might God do? And all of a sudden, I stay fixated on the reality that all things, all things are redeemable, restorable, and reconcilable. And the crazy piece about it is God trusted you with that message. See, all of the ancient religions, the way that they told their story was by buildings and idols. Right from the jump of scripture, you have God shaping in the dust of the ground. And what is he doing? He's breathing and putting his life and his image in. And he's like, through my people, they are the ones who are going to tell what I'm like. I'm not going to do it through buildings. I'm not going to do it through idols. I'm not going to do it like everybody. You know how I'm going to do it? I am going to do it through broken and beautiful people who have put me front and center. And friends, if you are breathing and you are a believer, I need you to know Paul would say to you that you are Christ's ambassador. You have been given a message of reconciliation. This is yours. This is not Pastor Ken's. This is not Ben Stewart's or TA's or any of the amazing staff here at Faithbridge. This is ours. And if we're going to be all things new in such divided times, we got to actually unite and say, you know what? We are going to be about what we're for, not what we're against. And what we're for is Christ, Christ's glory, Christ's power, Christ's uniting ability, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the one true God. And when we're about that, all of a sudden you're going to start to see People begin to understand, oh my goodness, these are people who actually are compelled by love, not shame or worry or fear or anxiety. These are people who are beginning to train their brain and their hearts and the minds to see as crises, and they recognize they got a new message. All things are reconcilable. Back to the text. It says this. This will be the last passage we look at. Verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Isn't that powerful? For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now, what's amazing is there's so many words here. 
that are used in just these four verses. The first one is ambassadors. And many of you know this probably, but the reason our country exists is because of Benjamin Franklin. I mean this. If you study our Constitution, but you back it up, you have Benjamin Franklin going to France. And he goes to France, and he literally serves as an ambassador. And when you are an ambassador for the United States of America, you don't speak just what you want to speak. You speak on behalf of the president. Or you speak on behalf of, if you live in a monarchy, the king or queen. Benjamin Franklin goes over and he chooses to live in this part of France called Passy. And he's humble. And he's curious. He learns the language. He sits and he eats with the people. And he recognizes that a job of an ambassador is to really begin to speak on behalf of, but then to, to work for the peace. And if there are situations that are out of peace or out of kind of not going very well, there's some kind of drama or noise or, or, or pain or, or some conflict, his job is to speak on behalf of the king or the president to try and manifest peace. And it's amazing that this is the word that Paul uses for us, that we are ambassadors. We speak on behalf of God. We live our life on behalf of God. And he's like, I implore you. If you look at those words that he uses in those four verses, implore. And then he says, I urge you not to take God's grace in vain. And he talks about how we have to be these people who are speaking on behalf of our king to be reconciled to God. See, when you're compelled by love, you have this new motivation. When you have this, you see as God sees and you're seeing the cross, you have a new perspective. When you recognize as a faithful follower of Christ, you have this message of reconciliation, you've got a new message. But you know what the thing is? Paul wants us, he wants to urge us, he wants to implore us to have a new urgency. A new urgency. I don't know about you, but I watched that story of Maria and I watched it in run through this morning and I almost lost it. Because somehow God is working. It just dropped and deposited into this woman's mind, Dave Ramsey. And she goes and looks and somehow comes to a class, comes then some weeks later to Easter at the tent and all of a sudden God begins to work and move as she gets connected with each of you. And I think about how many Marias are in Klein, how many Marias are in Spring, how many Marias are all around this area. People are moving to this area like crazy. And many of them are just searching and seeking. And can you imagine if we at FaithBridge had this sense of a new urgency to say, man, I'm not compelled by shoulds and shame, I'm compelled by love. I want to see as God sees, and I see that every single person that I lay eyes on matters to heaven, matters to God, was someone that Christ died for, rose again for, and if that's the truth, then my role is to give this message away, to make invitations, and I'm going to live my life with an urgency 
Uh, I'll quote Jim Harbaugh, even though we lost to Georgia. He says this line, it was given to him by his dad. That's something I've written down in my office. It says, attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. It's a powerful, powerful concept. And I think that's what Paul's getting at. And here's the crazy thing. When it comes to evangelism, it's the easiest within the church to take your foot off the gas. It's really easy to go like, serve people at a soup kitchen because you walk away feeling good because someone, someone doesn't ever just, when you hand them food, go, nah, I don't want that. They're always so grateful. But when you live your life with an urgency that people would be reconciled to God and you put yourself out there and you hear the word no, sometimes you're like, maybe something's wrong with me. Maybe I don't know how to do it. All of a sudden, all of this stuff just comes over us and we're like, no. And what ends up happening We take our foot off the gas and the enemy starts to go after us being compelled by love and we start to be compelled by calculated risks and shoulds and shame and self-preservation and worry. And then when that starts to happen, we start to see not as God sees, but as the world sees. And that message of reconciliation, we begin to wonder, well, I don't know if they're ready. I don't think, I don't know. We start hedging our bets. And then our urgency and our risk meter and our dependency and faith in God meter just begins to slowly, slowly drop. And then all of a sudden, you wonder, why is my prayer life struggling? You start to wonder, why why is my faith starting to struggle? You start just to wonder, why, why do I feel just so tempted? I promise you this. When you live in a place of dependency and expectancy and you put yourself out there and your your life is having to trust God in conversations, you have one ear tuned to heaven, one ear tuned to the people in front of you, your eyes seeing, trying to see as God sees, how can your faith not grow? I'm not saying everyone's gonna say yes. I get rejected all the time. It feels like junior high dances for me all over again. I'll be on an airplane talking to someone, but I have this urgency. I have this urgency that there are so many people. Some say they know God, but they're far from God, and there's a lot of people who are like, I'm done with God, and there's a lot of people who want nothing to do with God. And I'm like, but if you knew my God, if you knew the goodness of grace, if you knew the goodness of love, if you knew someone who literally came into this world and said, I will take it all for you. And I believe everything could be redeemable and restorable. Somehow I just think for many of us, we're like, yeah, I know that message. I know it. But now's the time for us to live it more than ever. Next week, We kick off this brand new series. And I love it because it's the life of Jesus from my favorite gospel, the gospel of Luke. And for all of 2022, we are gonna walk through the book of Luke. And it's gonna be intense. Because our heart is that every one of us would become more like Christ. That every one of us would begin to see as Christ sees, become 
more and more like Christ. And the question is, will you be someone who joins us? Will you be someone who like dives in and goes, you know what, man, I'm gonna, I gotta read the book of Luke. I love Luke because he's a historian. I love, I love Luke because the way he writes. I love Luke because his, his heart for the kingdom of God. But inside this series, you are gonna get a chance to learn, but here's my challenge to you. Don't do it alone. Maybe there's someone in your life you know who's struggling. And maybe this week you can just say, man, you know what? We're starting this new series. It's on the life of Jesus. Would you come with me? And again, I, I, I'm, I'm not against persuading people. And, and these are the ways I persuade sometimes. I used to at least. I would say things like, hey, it would help me in my development if you came. Someone's like, oh man, you need me? Yeah, it would. It would help me if like we actually could do this and I could just ask you questions. You could ask me questions. But the more that we dive into this, the more you will get to see the new things that God wants to do. There's a couple of questions I'd love for you to really just think about before we close in a response song. The questions are this, and ask yourself this honestly. Faithbridge, what compels you? My friends watching online, what compels you? And what's their name? Is it God's love? Or is it your parents' shame? Is it some lie? Is it some worry or some anxiety? The second question is, do you see as God sees? When you, if you see as God sees, then you're gonna have the biggest cross because you're gonna see the cross everywhere you go. But the question we have to ask is, is how big is our cross? Are the labels bigger than the cross? Are what the world sees bigger than God's love? Third question, what message are you proclaiming? We live in a world right now that loves to proclaim us, not Jesus. We like to proclaim a message of safety, preservation, reputation management, image management. We got it all together. Our family looks so good. You know what's amazing? As we think about family, how many of you did like Christmas pictures? And, and if you're really, really honest, the picture turned out great, but the experience getting to that picture was literally terrible, terrible. There's probably another word I could use, but like it's a like terrible experience. But the picture is like, oh, Merry Christmas, Merry and Bright. It's a great family. Can't wait for 2022 with our family. But it's a train wreck getting there. And here's the thing, when you got a message that God has trusted you with, I don't want to keep that to ourselves. How safe are you? It's not the question. How urgent are you? How urgent are you to give this story away to your friends at high school, your friends in college, your friends who are coworkers, your friends in your neighborhood, your family? And I'm telling you what, if we can be this kind of people who are compelled by love, new motivation, have a new perspective, see as God sees, we understand the message, we got this new message of reconciliation, and we are urgent. We are urgent because people are dying. Hell is real, and so is heaven. And I want people to experience the fullness of God's goodness in heaven. 
And so God, we just pray, we come before you right now. Even as I look down, I see all these labels. I see even repent my own heart for the ways that I can see people as the world sees. How I can be so compelled by the wrong things, the wrong motivations. How I can just play it safe. So God, in me, in us, compel us with your love. Let us see the biggest cross in every person. Let us be and have this resolve to see people reconciled. Use us, God. Use every one of us. Use every single person in this room this year. I pray that people who are getting baptized this year, that every single one of us would have had a hand, whether through an invitation, whether through a discipleship or a small group or working with junior high students or high school students. Give us an urgency that can only come from you. Help us become more like Christ. It's gonna start with us building our lives upon the one true cornerstone. We love you, God, and all God's people say, amen.